The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, January 20th, which means we're just days away from an epic pair of championship games. Make sure you can subscribe to uh, CBS All Access if you haven't already. If you don't have cable, you don't have an HD antenna, and you want to stream Chiefs and Bills, oh, baby, CBS All Access. And plus, you get all the Champions League stuff, the soccer, but it comes back in February. Very exciting also, if it's a Wednesday, it means that it's a football. Oh, I messed it up. <laughs> I had the volume turned down on my side. Did Nickelodeon steal that from you? Uh, possibly. Although Nickelodeon, a Viacom company as well, as we remembered halfway through our discussion of the Nickelodeon playoff game. Just saying. I mean, I, I think there is uh, probably a chance they, they heard this podcast, and that's why they used it. So all I'm saying, whatever you do, just, you know, Viacom does great work, incredible work. All their properties are amazing. Um, I, I love my, um, you know, I get, you know, we get a free, we get noggin for free. You got noggin? You know that? No idea. For kids, like the Nickelodeon show, the Nickelodeon app, learning for small children? I no, no, I didn't. Maybe you're just banking on your kids being athletic superstars when they grow up, Brady. Definitely not. Trust me. Trust me. We've already started saving for that, uh, big life decision there. College and all that other good stuff. Oh, well, you gotta, uh, will your girls, de- will your girls be debutantes? I don't know if that's something you do in Florida. <laughs> no, one, I don't do that. Even if they did do that in Florida, I would not do that. So yeah, no. I can see you like in a, in a, in a nice, uh, with the tails and the tucks. No, no. It's fun times here. Anyway, moving along <laughs> in the feed, Jason Lock and Fora breaks down, uh, some of the Deshaun Watson stuff, head coaching rumors, et cetera, et cetera. We will have, uh, tomorrow bold predictions for the championship round with the super friends, myself, Ryan Wilson and John Breach. And then for Friday, of course, the picks podcast. We've also reached that point of the year where there are a lot of sports going on, a lot of sports, uh, NBA, college hoops, golf, hockey, hockey's back. The canes are back, baby. Of course, actually on a break, a COVID break, um, along with NC State, which has me a little worried. NC State's basketball on COVID break and the Canes. No one else is making that connection that maybe that's like they're both from Raleigh. Sort of concerning. Um, of course, the NFL postseason, which is why we want to tell you about the CBS Sports app and how it's not just the best scoring app for your phone. It's also where you get breaking news alerts, stories by us, standing schedules, team pages, and all the sportsy digital stuff you're used to. And, of course, if a game is airing on CBS, that means it's streaming on the CBS Sports app. Easy. Yes, very easy. Download it, re-download it. It's got the little cloud logo next to it on your phone, and you know you got those five-star ratings to feel to drop one for the app. They actually did an up- update on the app, and people kind of freaked out because that's what people do anytime there's an upgrade on the app. And at first, when I started using it, I was like, oh, my God, this is a lot tougher. But I do like that when you go to scores, it puts everything kind of all in at once. So right. You, like, without you can scroll and see NHL college football premier Every sport like whatever's happening you've got scores you've got the information you're looking for well like normally 
you have to on the old app you would have to hit the menu button and go down to like Premier League to see what games are on. And now you can just scroll and it's like here's everything that's on for today. Like there's Bundesliga, La Liga, Premier League, NHL, college basketball, and the NBA. And then you you highlight your teams at the top. You highlight your teams, right? Like I'm a Canes guy. And it puts the Canes thing up at the top in a cool banner. Um, I would recommend that people, if you download the app and you don't like the way, it, you don't love the way it looks, go to compact mode in your settings and it will appear a lot more familiar to you. So check that out. Um, and uh, download the CBS Sports app. It's fantastic. Dude, you are so informative. I did not realize that about you. Like that was incredible. Thank you. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was incredible. It was a pretty good. No, it was like, it was very, I, I was sitting there thinking like, I know the apps changed. I had a hard time searching, navigating through it. You just gave me like a solution with the compact mode compact. or you're, you're pointing out some other things there. It was nice. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, well, I mean, look, I, I don't, I'm not going to be like, Oh, the new app upgrade is amazing. Like everything's perfect. No, I didn't like it. I didn't <laughs> like, I was, I was, I was flummoxed by it because it, it was different. And that gets me every time there's an upgrade, like a big change like that. I understand it. But I do get now, I think, having used it more, changed it to compact, I figured out what they're trying to do. And I think everybody will appreciate it more that you have everything in one place. You're not trying to flip back and forth. So there you go. Cool. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is in the concussion protocol. The uh, former MVP and uh, you know, best football playing human being on the planet dealing with concussion and a foot injury. Although Brady, I have to say, well, let me ask you this. Do you, do you have any concern that he might not play on Sunday? Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it depends on how they go about handling things. Like, you could technically be in the concussion protocol and not have a concussion. You know, they're still going through the diagnosis of that. So there is the chance that if – Can I stop and ask a question to, or sure. confirm something? Because you – I mean, I think you probably have a better grasp on this than me as a former player, even though the concussion protocol wasn't in place when you were there, right? It was. Okay, it was. Okay, so Patrick Mahomes in the AFC or the, in the divisional game, he falls down. He's looking woozy. He's spotted by the independent neurologist person who's there, the spotter. Uh, they say, Hey, we need to check him out. They take him on the sidelines and they, they determine without, without knowing whether or not he has a concussion that he needs to go into the protocol. At right. that point, he's ruled out because they can't get him to pass the protocol. Um, and, and feel comfortable with it. He can't get through, work through the stages and get past it. So like, Let's say that he took a shot to the neck and lost consciousness for like, and just sort of having trouble breathing or whatever, whatever it was, just hypothetically. And they put him in the protocol. He still has to clear it this week, even if he never suffered a concussion, correct? Correct. Exactly. So I think that's what some people are sort of thinking may have happened, right? Well, yeah. I mean, based on how the hit looked, that's really the only conclusion you can really draw. Cause it wasn't like Mac Wilson's helmet. Or even shoulder really hit his head in any way. It hit like the back of him. No it was his left arm. His, helmet. Yeah, his left arm is the what actually ended up hitting him kind of around the jawline area and around his neck. So I think they're, they're kind of putting together the footage of the actual hit. Now I would say this one, it could have been a series of hits sure. that led to it. You know, I, I remember when I got a concussion in Kansas City in 2012. There was a number of times in which I got hit and it could have been any one of those, but there was eventually kind of a knockout blow where I was like, all right, I'm having a hard time just seeing right now. So that at that point in time, it was like, I, I need to tell someone something. Um, but you know, look, there's a it was 65, 70% of the time when you go in the protocol, those guys don't play the following week. 
this could be a unique scenario where he does. I mean, just watching him run in the locker room and having played there before, you know, there's a series of stairs you've got to go down to then run, you know, up to get in. Um, it would be hard to navigate that and do that if you were concussed just from having been concussed before, like, and, and in that stadium and take it into the locker room that way. I don't think you'd be able to run down the stairs like that and run in if you were suffering from a concussion. So that was the first time where I watched the hit. I watched that and I was thinking this might be one of those rare circumstances where like it's not what everyone thinks it's going to be. So, uh, we'll see, you know, how the week progresses. If you hear news, that's probably the worst thing. Right. That's actually a bad thing. You want there not to be any news. And then the value, the value of that number one overall seed's huge because technically he can get cleared Sunday, you know, because they're at home by the independent neurologist because they're right there in KC. So this, this actually could work out really well in the favor of the Chiefs. But I, I will say this. There was a few things like back in the day, and this is back in college and uh, probably early in the NFL before I really knew the severity of concussions. And there's other players who would do this too, but. You have this test called the impact test. So during this concussion protocol, one of the things you've got to pass is reaction time. And you watch this computer screen and you try to like, you know, hit certain dots or certain colors when it, you know, turns a certain way and it measures cognitively how fast you're reacting to what you're seeing, right? And, and you've got a baseline test that you took before the season started. And then you've got your test that you take it, you know, subsequently after the concussion occurs and they monitor how far off you are. Well, Growing up in Ohio, football was everything. You know, my mom would have to tell you, you better get dragged off the field if you're coming off the field, boy. And so I just, you know, I would always dumb down my baseline. Like I would purposefully. Have we talked about this before? I don't know if we have, but I mean. I have a theory that Gronk was always doing this, like dumbing down his baseline. Yeah, you you dummy down. down baseline. Go ahead. It's real. I mean, I would do it. Like I remember in college, you know, I, I did it. I was always like sit there and wait in between and like be really slow, uh, knowing that there's the potential that this could happen, and I wanted the chance to go back out there and play as soon as possible. So it probably sounds ignorant out there to a lot of people, uh, but you know, when you love something and you love what you do, you do a lot of dumb things. Okay, I think we could all relate to that. And uh, and also, you know, I think the the literature that's come out since. Um, has created a lot more, you know, severity of, of really how those concussions, how the hits can add up and the toll it can take on you in the long term. So I think as I got older, I probably realized how ignorant that was, but I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes has done it, but I know a lot of players that used to do that. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. I, I mean, I think there's, pro- I mean, that makes total sense. Like you're, you know, you're trying to lower the bar that you have to clear to get back on the field as a professional athlete. And I do think. I mean, I still, I mean, I still don't think the, the, the discourse around concussions has completely changed, but I mean, just to your point, this, this past weekend, we had Lamar Jackson miss the entire fourth quarter with what, with what was after being put in the concussion protocol. Patrick Mahomes missed like, you know, a huge chunk of the second half. And we haven't spent a single minute, a single second of radio sports talk radio where anybody's like, Oh, they're taking the stars off the field. Like, like, no, it's just, it's, it's like acceptable. And the NFL, credit to the NFL for doing a good job, like actually doing that. I mean, that's, that's not something you would have seen 10 years ago, you know, where the, that's two starting, two of the four starting quarterbacks from the divisional round missed like three quarters of action. I mean, and, and so I think we have come a long way in terms of how it's handled and how people react to it. No, it's, it's definitely different than it used to be. And so I think there's, you know, there's reason to, to applaud and all that, but. The biggest thing is, you know, looking at the line, 
the fact that Kansas City's giving three. I think that tells me all I need to know. Like someone knows something and they're expecting Patrick Mahomes to be out there and to be the starting quarterback. Uh, at least that's my intuition with it. You know, I, I would have thought this game would have been way closer to a pick him or Buffalo being favored. I mean, I would think, um, he's worth what four points, maybe five points. Um, you know, maybe Buffalo's favored by a couple if Patrick Mahomes isn't playing. That may sound like a lot to people out there, but I mean, we're talking about a guy who's a former MVP and arguably the best quarterback in the league. I did, uh, Nick Costas's radio show or, uh, yeah, radio show. You better you bet on, uh, Intercom with him and, uh, Ken Lockie, Lockie Lockerson. And, um, I don't know what Ken's real last name is, but they were like, what would you make it? And, and they were like, what would you make it if Mahomes is out versus Mahomes in? And I was like, you might guys might think I'm stupid. I would say Buffalo minus six. Like, I think, I think Mahomes to Chad Henney is probably not a, like, you know, when these sharp guys do their, you know, like Kenny White does his power ratings. Right. I will ask Kenny on Friday, but like Mahomes to, to Chad Henney, maybe it's not a full nine point drop, but if you ask 90% of the people who are betting on that game, who they would take with no Patrick Mahomes, if any, I think, I think think Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I would probably say seven points sounds about right. Um, the issue but, is that you're crossing through zero. And so like, so when you cross through zero, right? If four of your numbers are dead. Right. Like one and two on both sides are, are basically dead. So you're, I mean, really like you kind of have to start it at Buffalo minus three. three. Yeah. You know, that's six points. So I mean, to me, it's almost like, I, I know that doesn't, maybe that doesn't make sense from a, like a real gambler's perspective, but like, I mean, Buffalo minus two, what, you know, whatever, like they, they're going to win the game. I mean, I, I think it's telling you this, like, this is how I'd look at it. Either Buffalo is going to win close and Chad Henning's going to play better than you expect and keep them in the game or Buffalo is going to blow them out. That's kind of why I was more thinking four. And I know you're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, like I see Buffalo winning either way. If Mahomes doesn't play, I don't see Kansas City winning this. And it's not an indictment on Chad Henning. It's just, I do, to your point, see a pretty big drop off in the ability for Henny to be able to create, draw, do the things that make Kansas City that special. Um, I just, I don't see him. He's a journeyman quarterback in a long line of second round picks that the Dolphins used on questionable, uh, unathletic white quarterbacks from like, from bigger. Well, I guess, uh, John Beck was from BYU, but yeah, I mean, you get the point. Like, I mean, Chad, he's had a great career, made a ton of money. Good for him. He's had some moments where he's looked pretty good, but he's not Patrick Mahomes and he'd probably be the first guy to tell you that. I mean, it's, it's just going to be a drop off. I do think that one other component about that is that if you're Vegas, right, and you're setting this line and you don't know whether Patrick Mahomes is going to play, but you have, you feel like it's like 70 30 that he does play, you can't make it Buffalo minus three. Right. Because then everybody and their brother is going to hammer Buffalo minus three until Mahomes is officially in. And then everybody and their brother is going to come back and hammer Kansas City or take Buffalo plus three. No, sorry, take Kansas City plus three at first. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You're confusing yourself. Yeah. I did it backwards. If it's Buffalo minus three, everybody's hammering Kansas City. And then when it moves to Kansas City minus three, everybody's hammering Buffalo and you have a six point window. Like if it's a one, two or three point game, you're. Yeah. It's the only way the house loses. Yeah. So that's, that's a that's reason why they wouldn't do that. By the no, way, no, no. I, I get that. But the fact that they shouldn't even have it on the board right now, that, that would be one that, but then, then you risk not taking in all that action. And I don't think they're going to take that risk. They'd rather lose on one side. And expect them to play and have Kansas City be favored or not. I thought the most interesting thing we did uh, yesterday on CBS Sports HQ was 
when they played the odds of what any of the matchups would be in the Super Bowl. And just when you look at the fact that like Kansas City is by far and away the favorite. And even at this moment right now, it's kind of crazy to think that considering we don't know if Patrick Mahomes is going to start or not. Yet no matter who they're going to face out of the NFC, they would be at least, I want to say, a couple point favorites or three points favorites based on the odds that I saw yesterday. Uh, and, and then obviously the most uh, competitive one I think was Buffalo's favorite versus Tampa. But I think, uh, or excuse me, Buffalo and Tampa were like a pick them. Yeah. But then it was like Buffalo, Green Bay. Green Bay was still, uh, was, was, was giving one or one and a half, something like that. Yeah. So I would think the Packers are favored over the Bills. Yep. Bills and Bucks are even. Yep. And then KC's minus three or minus four against those two teams. Yep. Exactly. It depends, it depends on how they look too. Like if Green Bay obliterates Tampa Bay, you know, then maybe it's a little, and like Kansas City squeaks by Buffalo, then maybe it's a little bit closer to a pickup, but. Yep. I mean, look. We're lucky. All, all four of these matchups would be awesome. Right. I mean, you can't lose. You, you've got great storylines either way, right? I mean, think about, you know, the, the funny thing about the Tom Brady thing is like how amazing he's playing for his age. Like I cannot get over that. Like I, I knew coming in this season, it was going to be a challenge and you saw early on some of the struggles, but just the velocity on his ball, the more, the comfort he has within the system, just the way this team's played. They're here. Like they're, and they're knocking on the door at 14th, you know, championship weekend out of what 19 or whatever it's been. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous what he's doing. Um, and, but even then, if he gets them to the Super Bowl, like, is there any doubt that the Brady Belichick, like Brady's won at least the first round or won the battle of that whole conversation? Yeah. So like, that's a, that's a huge piece of his legacy. Massive. You know, I, I was texting about this with somebody or talking about it with somebody and I don't think. Like, I mean, in my mind, Bill Belichick's, you know, legacy is not going to be tainted by the fact that Tom Brady went to a Super Bowl, you know, the, but, you know, there are going to be some hot takes out there. If Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick misses the playoffs and Tom Brady takes the Buccaneers, his new team that he, you know, in his first season to yeah. the Super Bowl and wins it. I mean, that's people are going to come out of the woodwork to point out that Belichick failed without Brady. And Brady thrived without Belichick. I mean, that's again, I'm not taking away from Bill Belichick's legacy. Like I, for me, it wouldn't, but it is noticeable, right? I mean, it's oh my a gosh, like, well, not even that the way he's doing it. Like when you go back to how he did it in New England and then you look at this year and it's like the longest yards per attempt, his air yards per attempt, like no matter what stat you're looking at. And we know this from Bruce Arians system, but everyone's like, Oh no, you can't throw the depot. No, he just doesn't have it. It's like, yes, he can. Like, you are dead wrong. He could have been doing this in New England. The problem was Bill never wanted to invest around him or he just couldn't get it right. You know, yeah. he drafted Nikhil Harry. They tried to bring Antonio Brown. That didn't work. Somehow Antonio Brown's much better in Tampa. That does not make any sense to me. Okay. Well, you think about where the Patriots are, Boston, Foxborough versus like, just doesn't make any sense. Well, I'll say this. I mean, Antonio Brown only got one game before the reports came out and it was clear that they were going to suspend him. And so that's how the Patriots moved on from him. And he was very good. Sure. That weekend. Um, it's also interesting, I think, that Tom Brady's trainer, Alex Guerrero, longtime uh, lingerer around in Foxborough, TB12 facility up there, is in Tampa. And it's been pointed out, uh, by that, you know, that he is helping tons of teammates in Tampa Bay. And that's, and it's remarkable how quickly some of these guys are recovering. Vita Vea didn't he have a fractured ankle. Am I crazy? He and he's going to play in the NFC championship game. I yeah. mean, that's some, they're really rubbing the avocado ice cream all over these guys. 
I, I got to be honest with you, man. I think I'm going to get the TB12 book and read about it and try to get, I mean, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape, but I, I watch what he does and I'm, I'm, and I'm like, holy cow, dude. Like he doesn't even look 43. I mean, how old are you, Will? I'm 39. I mean, he looks at least 10 years younger than you. It's just unbelievable. George I mean, you look like a pile of garbage compared to Tom Brady right now. I'm just saying. Not even gonna, Don't take offense I, to that. I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to be offended. I'm just going to nod my head and agree with you. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. He looks incredible. I mean, they're treating their body better over the last 20 years. Me or Tom Brady. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends how much, uh, how many toughies you've had today. I've actually got, I, I can see it. It's the original TV 12 manual. Should I go grab it real quick and read some of the, just, can you send it to me? Can you just send it to me so I can start that diet and start that whole deal? Um, I do think, I do think, and actually, I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not like going to brag like I'm healthy or anything like that, but yeah. I think no, I'm not, um, not even close. No, I mean, Tom Brady cuts out alcohol, so, you know, uh, but like I eat a he drink ton wine. Of, like, Isn't he drink wine? Yeah. During the season, I think he really cuts down on alcohol. Well, yeah, of course. Like that's like any athlete. Right. Not, not a sports writer or a podcaster though. You know no, I mean? no. But I mean, like I eat a bunch of like, like that's I a quick eat- pivot, by the way. You went sports, what I mean, podcaster. Like you literally were like sports, what I mean, podcaster. I didn't want you to be call me a blogger or something. The, um, I don't care anyway, but the, um, I would not call you that. That's fine. Uh, I like, I eat a bunch of, like, I eat, like, I eat avocados, but I mean, like, I eat a bunch of, like, avocados. I've been trying, um, I saw, like, Steven Chia, who works for Barstool, is a Tampa Bay guy. He's, like, doing the TV 12 method for as long as the Bucks are in the playoffs. And I saw some of, like, the meals he was posting. I mean, but it's like, you know, like a, like an omelet with peppers, mushrooms, and avocado, no cheese. Yeah. It's all, that's delicious. I love that. Right. Right. Um, like I eat quinoa bowls for lunch with like avocado, feta. Is know, it avocado or avocado? Avocado. However you want to say it. I think in the South they say avocado and then everywhere else they say avocado. Uh, avocado. Okay. Sure. Ah. Uh, my, my people, somebody was complaining about my, 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 uh, my accent. Yeah. My accent the other day. I don't, it's like I don't even, I don't even know what it is. They're like, it's like he's like an annoying, like northerner. I'm like, what? Northerner. They don't, they do not know. They do not know about the Brinson estate in the South. That's right. Um, so you, you've never been above the Mason Dixie line. Never in my life. So yeah, Tom Brady's awesome. Aaron Rodgers, incredible as well. I mean, Rodgers is no cool. spring chicken. He's 37. How old are you? I'm 36. Um, you look like a pile of crap compared to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I would, I, I would very yeah, agree with that one. Yeah. Yeah. I actually know Aaron a little bit. So I, I feel like, yeah. I don't know. He looks good though for his age. He's still on the football well for his age. Yeah. Um, Tom Brady is four years older than me and he's Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, the weird thing about Rodgers, because like this hasn't been brought up, but their season could end this week or it could end at the Super Bowl, win or lose. Right. Yeah. And then the narrative comes back around of like, all right, like Jordan loves there. Like, do we forget about all that? Because of like how well the season was going, how he's going to win the MVP. He could very well win the Super Bowl, be the Super Bowl MVP. Like, what happens now? Like, there's got to be that conversation of, are, I mean, is this just going to be like, all right, now it's time for them to go their separate ways? Do they continue oh, to have him be no. there? Are you crazy? He's in. He's in. He's back. He's done. He's, Jordan Love sits on the bench. For two I mean, years. that's what I think. But I'm just saying, like, that narrative has been dead because of how well Rodgers has played. But are, are we not going to call them out then for completely wasting trading up for a first-round pick when – they're going to lose at least now two years of not knowing what he is. And, and spare me, by the way, spare me the whole, 
but they see him practice and they kind of, no, you don't. Like until you get a live game scenario, you don't know. Right. So they're going to be two years into this thing now, not having really much of a clue about Jordan Love, especially if we don't have preseason games again next year. And then you got you got to make a, a, a you know some sort of idea on the fifth year option after the third year, and it's now fully guaranteed. Like that is a scenario that like after one potentially one year of Jordan Love, and then in that scenario, like I don't know that I foresee that being how it plays out, but. This this is gonna become a bind they put themselves in, and it's it's gonna look like the most wasted draft pick ever. The issue, and I, I said this from the beginning, I don't have an issue with them drafting a quarterback in the first round if they believe he's a guy that can be a franchise quarterback moving forward. The issue is not them doing that and trying to acquire that asset. That's how they got Aaron Rodgers. The problem is that they Dif- just different. Aaron- Rodgers fell to them. They traded up to get him. There's a difference. I, no, I understand, I understand what you're saying, but I, but let me finish. My point is that if you are going to make that draft selection, then why the hell did you sign Aaron Rodgers to the contract extension? Because it, to your point, the the selection of a player in the first round doesn't it, it's it's at odds with the contract extension that you signed Rodgers to. I see. I, I disagree with that for this reason. You want him under your control. When else is his trade value as high as it would be? After he wins the Super Bowl or wins the MVP. If you, if you decided to move on your separate ways, you're going to try to work together or just want to control the situation. You would then work to then say, all right, who's going to give us the most for him in exchange, right? Like, I think if you, if you don't sign him to that extension or you don't have control over his contract, then you're just releasing him and letting him go to, I don't know, maybe pull Brett Farvey eventually goes to the Minnesota Vikings. You got to see him twice a year. Like, yeah. That's that to me is the the thing that you try to avoid if you can in that scenario, and they have. That, that's that's fine. I, all I'm saying is that their actions do not. Then this is always my problem. Is like if you okay, so do you think that Aaron Rodgers sucks, and that's why you need to draft a quarterback in the first round? If so, then why did you sign him? Or do you think he's the guy that you signed to that contract? At which point you don't need to dra- like don't draft a guy in the first round this year. Wait till next year. And look, if Jordan Love is the guy, then he's the guy. And I get it, but I agree with you completely. You're not going to, you're going to have to guarantee his fifth option because Rogers, the out in his contract isn't really even until after 2021. So like the whole idea of him being traded this offseason was if he sucks and the Packers miss the playoffs, then it's Jordan Love time, but he's the MVP and the Packers might win the Super Bowl and you're not moving on from him. Not when he's no. not when he got $32 million in dead cap space no. even next year in before 2022. Would you want to deal with seventeen million dollars in dead cap space? Because I think Rogers. Oh, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like this narrative is like kind of out there. I just I kind of wonder if because here because here's the thing that everyone puts out there, right? This like the dumbest thing that's that's been said and continues to be said is the best draft pick was Jordan Love because come on, man, it's motivated Aaron Rodgers. Like, oh, okay, they should have just drafted a first round quarterback every year then because he would have just played like this every year. The reality is like there's still that fracture. I mean, no matter how the season ends, MVP, Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, that's still somewhere in the back of his mind. That, that's still that reality is there every day watching the quarterback room. So I just, I kind of wonder at what point does he kind of say, all right, maybe, maybe this is the best terms to leave on. Like if you're going to force your way out as a player under contract, like I just won the MVP. I just won the Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP. I, I've won you two during my time here. Like what else do you want from me? Let me move on then if you want to start the next phase with this player. And I think there'd be a lot of suitors who would, you know, be willing to give something up in exchange. The problem is the weird thing about the Packers in, in this scenario that I'm playing out is they love their draft picks. 
So, you know, I, I think it would, I think it, it actually would maybe work out if someone was willing to give them a couple of first round picks because Gutenkunst would bite all over that, right? Maybe. But I, look, again, I know we're talking about getting way ahead of ourselves. I just feel like that's one of those storylines that it's just gotten swept under the rug because of how well Aaron's played, but it's still the reality of what this team faces, you know, moving on the next year or two. It was, it was blindly assumed that this is Aaron Rodgers even commented on it. He's like, this might be my last year here. But here's the thing is, here's the thing in his mind. I, I, I really feel like there is still that possibility. Sure. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that I would, the, the biggest thing that comes in their way too is obviously the salary cap situation. How do you make it work? I'm sure you could restructure and do all that if you got traded somewhere else, but that's one of the biggest hurdles, not knowing what that cap number is going to be. I think the, I think the more likely scenario is that Rodgers is on the Packers in 2021 and then they reassess after 2021. And if he plays in an MVP caliber and they make a deep playoff run again, then he'll be back in 2022. And if you have like, it was such a dumb decision though. Like, I don't care if you're in love with the player. I'm sorry. Like, just wait another year or two. Because they'd already signed to the extension, and just with the way the fifth-year option works now, they've literally handicapped themselves. I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. Did um, Okay, I'm just making sure that I didn't panic. and Yeah, so I will say, I mean, the one thing that you could point out. No, yeah, Michael T. Higgins, Michael Pittman's still on there. I mean, even if you don't want to look at the wide receiver thing, there are plenty of good players that could have helped out the Packers. Thank right. You over the next three years where you're trying to win in the championship window. So we agree. It's the, the draft and the trade or the draft and the contract are at odds with each other. It doesn't, it's not something that a forward thinking organization that we expect the Packers to be would be doing. Um, as for the actual game itself, how do you see, you know, I don't, you and I talked about this. We didn't think that Bruce, we thought Bruce Arians would be too stubborn to change his game plan. I don't think he was, I don't think Tom Brady in the, Bucks were necessarily good. Drew Brees is just was just toast, and the the Saints uh, skill position players did him no favors. The Bucks did what the New England Patriots always did with Tom Brady: is every single time the Saints made a mistake, the Bucks capitalized off of it. And you're right; like they really weren't great, but they were presented with you know plus four turnover margin, and they capitalized off all those opportunities. So they they really didn't have to be great; they just had to be good. They had to do their job and take advantage of that. So. Um, it was more of a defensive battle. I, I think, you know, maybe we thought that going into it, maybe not, given it was the third time playing one another. I, I usually feel like that, that benefits the defense, but, um, you know, still he, he made the throws that needed to be made. And the big question becomes like, when you look at the kryptonite of the Packers, it's still their ability to stop the run. And I know they did a decent job versus the LA Rams, but I, I don't know, man. I, I still feel Cam like Akers kind of got loose on them and they weren't in like the, the, Without Cooper Cup, I mean, they weren't really a huge threat to pass. I mean, this is a whole right. ball of wax. Right. I mean, th- this is one where, you know, not knowing how Antonio Brown's going to be, but still, it's kind of got a deep roster of pass catches, right? Like Scotty Miller had a nice 29-yard catch. What Tyler Johnson had a nice catch. Yeah, the catch from, um, uh, okay, the rookie, who just Tyler Johnson. Yeah, I just said that. Yeah, Tyler Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, great. I mean, they have all these different guys they can throw to. And meanwhile, you've got to worry about the two of these backs. I mean, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette can still take off and hurt you a bit. So, I just, I wonder how much they'll, they'll try to run the football a bit because that's always been the biggest weakness of this Packers, this Mike Penn defense. So I don't know. It, 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 I'm hoping for a good game. I, part of me feels like Rogers and the Packers could roll these guys depending if they can't, if they allow them to be balanced and they'll stop Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and, 
AJ Dillon, it, it could be a long day for the Bucks. I, I agree completely. I think Tampa has to, I mean, I hate saying that Tampa has to establish the run, but I think that's what they have to do. They have to, whoever can turn, and this is just how football works a lot of times, but whoever can turn the other offense into a one dimensional unit first, I think comes away victorious. And so there is some advantage there where maybe Tampa Bay, if they get Vita Bay back, they can stop, they can slow down the run. They can force Rodgers to just pass. I mean, if, if, if that happens, I mean, do you think, do you think the Packers are comfortable being a pass heavy team in this, in this situation or, or where, or they're just pass heavy with play action and all of that where they're, you know, maybe using the backs in the run game? Cause you just, you really can't run on Tampa. No, it, it could be tough, especially with their linebacker play. I mean, White and David are studs. Uh, especially Vita Vea is back. It's going to be tough. The, uh, the interesting thing is I don't know that they can match up though with Devontae Adams. I mean, we thought Jalen Ramsey could, and you know, it's not like Adams really exploded, but he had enough production. Um, and, and there's no one close to Jalen Ramsey on the Bucks roster. So that's to me, the difficulty is like typically you'd say, yeah, I mean, they, they shouldn't be able to, to throw all over, uh, you know, a team in the NFC championship game, but I don't know. It's hard to think they're not going to be able to, uh, especially if the rush has, has no impact whatsoever. So uh, if they want to play a bunch of cloud coverage, I think Robert Tanyan becomes a target they're going to throw to a lot. Uh, Marquez Valdez scaling down the middle of the field. And, you know, we saw some, you know, everyone else kind of pitching a little bit too. Um, so I just, I don't know. I, I, I really have a hard time seeing how this defense will match up with the Packers the way they're playing right now. I think the Packers will score early and often. Tampa's secondary can't slow you down. The pass rush is fine, but I don't think it's going to do, I don't think it's going to be like just blistering Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And if you can do that and you make the Bucks sort of get out of their game flow and try and throw it deep against the Packers secondary and then the Packers pass rush can uncork, that's how it turns into an ugly like 30 to 17 game. You know what my biggest fear is? What's that? And Dominican Sue and a dirty play on Aaron Rodgers. I've been thinking about that all week. Have you? I'm not, you know who else probably has been? Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> all I can think about when I think of Indomitian Sioux at Lambeau Field is Thanksgiving. Like sitting, I mean, just sitting there with my grandfather watching those games and just stomping on TJ Lang's face. Like, I mean, it's, it's yeah, real, man. It's real. I just, that's, that's always in the back of my mind once you see him do it a little bit. Uh, his return to Lambeau. By the way, the Packers offensive line, I thought did a heck of a job. Billy Turner, I, I thought it was going to be Bill Deere, you know, maybe stepping in, but it ended up being Billy Turner. He did a good job with the left tackle spot. So. That's, that's, that's kind of the, the spot to keep an eye on. Cause if Vita Bay does come back, they have Sue, you know, you look at JPP, some of the guys on the edge, like they can maybe get after this a little bit. You know, they can get after the, the Packers offensive line. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dive back into that AFC championship game a little bit and talk some more QBs. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai 
Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so we mentioned uh, Mahomes. Let's say Mahomes plays. Yep. Uh, do you see a path where the Bills win anyway? Yeah, no, I, I think their defense has stepped up and played a lot better of late. And these two teams have played before. It was, you know, really, for being honest, I know they lost to the Cardinals, but that was probably the, the last true Bills loss in week six. You know, uh, you know, you lose on a Hail Mary. It's like, all right. I mean, that play could have went on either way. A tremendous play, but still, sure. I think you get my point. Uh, but the Bills defense has been improved since then. You know, I mean, the way I think Trey White can try to match up with Hill every once in a while. If they put together a plan like they did last time where they're just going to play two, two eye safeties the whole time, soft coverage, try to see if the Chiefs going to run the ball against them and can't be as effective. You know, yeah, maybe it, maybe it works out in their favor. You know, maybe this time around they, they get some or force some mistakes, uh, from Patrick Mahomes. So I think their offense has evolved. They're in a better spot. And I think defensively, um, you know, they've that, that game plan the last time didn't work out. The game was close enough. I think the score showed in the end, you know, it was closer going into the fourth, but. Well, and, and don't forget too that remember they had that whole COVID situation with the Titans, right? Out, and the Titans and the Bills ended up having to play on a Tuesday, right? A short week. With the Bills thinking they were going to play the Chiefs on Thursday, and then they moved that game back to Monday. So the the Bills are sort of like the Steelers in that regard, in the, that they had no outbreaks, but they were drastically affected from a game plan and scheduling perspective. Sure. And so I think you cut them a little bit of slack, and then they they keep it close. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, 13-10 at half. Daryl Williams, suddenly now the kicker, the, the rush, the, the running back again scores. They got up 23-10 and it was 23-17 with six and a half minutes left before Bucker kicked a, a field goal to ice it. So yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I, I don't think that Kansas City is just going to like blood. Kansas City hadn't beaten anybody by more than one score since week eight. I think. Yeah. That's crazy to live that dangerously for that long and not have it bite you more more. They went fifteen to one, right? I mean, like, how well, does that not bite you? Look at it this way. I mean, or and I, and I know Patrick Mahomes left the game, so it's Chad hitting in at the end. But by that point in time in the game, you know they they already did most of their damage, right? They're up twenty two seventeen. Henny comes in, throws the pick. They ended up, you know, punting the football back, and then Henny ends up, you know, being able to run the clock out, but. You know, the, the truth of the matter is, I mean, how much better are the Bills and the Browns? Like, you kind of have to ask yourself, or I guess I should ask you, like, what's the biggest difference between the two? I think Josh Allen's probably showcased. He's at a higher level at the quarterback spot right now. Um, you know, Stephon Diggs is, is produced more as the number one wide receiver. And I would say the Bills defense is probably a little better, or at least playing better right now. So oh, yeah, oh, you no, go no, back, you go back I, and watch. I think that, I think it was ninth, the, the, the Chiefs got a field goal with Henny in there, I believe. Um, I think he set them up for a field goal and then he threw the pick. I could be wrong. Um, I'll double check, but I just, if I you know, wanted to throw that out there, but yeah, I think the bill, look, I like, I love Baker Mayfield. He's awesome. But Josh Allen in 2020 is a massive upgrade over Baker Mayfield. The yeah. wet, Jarvis Landry, fun, fine player. Stefan Diggs, massive upgrade over Jarvis Landry. 
Uh, the running backs are a lot better for Cleveland, obviously. And I think the, I guess you would take the Browns offensive line as being the better unit, but Buffalo is a really underrated one, especially in past. Especially uh, versus how they, I thought how they protected Allen versus Baltimore. I thought they did a heck of a job. So I, I, I kind of look at it and think like, this is, it's a di- different, different, you know, second time around, uh, different challenge. And this, this team is playing better. So, um, there's no doubt about it, man. Like I, I don't think Kansas City can afford to get off to a slow start. Now they didn't last week versus Cleveland. Like that was obvious. I know like 80, 90% of the country didn't see it, but. They, they, Just, did you know that? It was fine for me here. I had the no, it was, it was fine for me in Florida, but apparently there's a lot of the country like wasn't able to see. People who live in New York bitching about it on Twitter. That's what it was. Probably. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is how mostly Twitter works. Just people in New York bitching about something. Oh my God. What's the worst when it's like, when it's like a, a like a snowstorm or like a storm in New York? It's like, I, we get it, man. Everybody's got storms, guys. We, yeah. you know, we don't need to. Um, but yeah, they, they, I think the, the one thing that intrigues me about Buffalo. Is that their linebacking core is now healthy and playing well. Milano, yeah. Matt Milano, I'm not saying he's can neutralize Travis Kelsey or anything, but I mean, he's a really, he's really good in pass coverage. And like, that's what you need to be able to slow down the Chiefs is a guy who can match up so, somewhat match up with Travis Kelsey in pass coverage. And then, like you said, Trey White on Tyree Kill, you can shade a little something to him. I'm not trying to, I'm not going to put that in any category. Matt Milano nor Edmonds can match up with Travis Kelsey. All right. Well, they're going to have to bracket him. They're, that, they really need to do what New England used to do to tight ends with Antonio Gates in particular. Sure. They need to, wherever he is at, have someone over top of him and then jam him off the ball. Like that, that's just the treatment he needs. I don't care if he's split out as a wide receiver. I don't care if it's a cornerback. You want to play cover two to that side, whatever the case is, put someone over him, hold him up at the line of scrimmage. All right. You put Trey White if you can to match Tyree Kill and you allow the rest of the guys to try to beat you. If you implement that game plan, you can, I think, win this game or at least slow down the productivity of the offense. Everyone thinks it's Hill. To me, it's Travis Kelsey. Like he's the number one thing in the pass game you have to stop. Absolutely. No, I, I agree with you completely. And I think that's where it gets interesting because I would anticipate that Sean McDermott, look, Sean McDermott's defense, I don't know if he's gonna I don't know if we've seen necessarily uh they use that bracket style um with the way that he operates, but he, you know, obviously his defense is very important on linebackers, has been yeah. back to his days in Carolina. Um I, I think that they will look at what the Patriots have done in the past because he knows, I mean, you know, he knows Andy Reid very well, knows sort of, you know, not saying he knows how to you know, solve him, but I think he understands probably better than a lot of people his strengths and weaknesses. And so you try that bracket attempt and then it, then it boils down to can Tredavious White and stop Tyree kill, you know, and if you can do those two things, get some man coverage on uh, minimize the damage that Tyree kill does to you and one-on-one coverage, which yeah. is luck with that. And then slow down Tyree, slow down Travis Kelsey with that bracket style setup and jamming him at the line. Then you force Demarcus Robinson and maybe Sammy Watkins, Nico Hartman, to beat you. And yeah. that's, I, I think that's all you can ask for, right? 100%. And it really, it comes out of this. If you could just play good red zone defense, you know, not allow them to score when they get in the red zone, <laughs> force field goals, right? Like you're willing to concede a 20 yard chunk, a 25 yard chunk. It just can't be a 56 yard touchdown. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how you've got to play this game if you're the Buffalo Bills defense. You know, keep everything in front of you, tackle in space. And honestly, like one thing that, you know, they're a traditional four down front. I always feel like when, especially when you, and this happens more in college than it does the NFL, but like some of those things are trickling up to slow down these high powered offenses. But you, know, you kind of start in a four down look or four down front, you slant the line, rush three, drop one of them out. And you kind of mix up who that drop guy is. But 
you just get more people in passing lanes, force Patrick Mahomes to be more patient, and and eventually see a how the toe is feeling, if he's going to be willing to run or threaten you with his legs, you know, or eventually let your pass rush get there. Um, that's that's sometimes how it works, or you know, you end up figuring out a way of only rushing three and then bringing a, a nickel off of the edge. And so you find ways of of taking away that running back potentially. Usually edge pressure helps do that uh, since the lines focus on the down linemen as well as the linebackers. And so you take away one of those five eligible receivers. So you have four left, and you've really only got four guys rushing, right? Three down linemen and the guy off the edge. So it's a four-man rush, but, you know, really, again, you ate up one of their eligible receivers. And so now you do the numbers game. You got seven on four. That's a pretty solid matchup, at least as, as far as how your coverage should play out. So there's a lot of times and different things you can do, I think, to help eliminate a back from getting out or being a part of it. And, and also being able to focus and really double Travis Kelsey and give a lot of focus to and attention to to Tyreek Hill and force someone else, else to beat you. Yeah. Um, okay. Four teams were eliminated. I think that's a great plan. I, I love it, but I know that we're, I'm monitoring our time. I'm not trying to cut you short or not agree with that fantastic concept. Um, Four teams are eliminated from the playoffs, and there are certainly some questions about them. So yeah. let's quickly blitz through those four teams, starting with the Browns. I mean, what a se- I mean, what a, what a season! Awesome season. Do you think there's like, is there some bittersweetness? I mean, obviously you lose, so there's always you're always a little bittersweet. But man, I mean, you just you, you feel like Baker gets the ball there down five. It's like no Mahomes. You know that if you score, it's gonna be tough for them to come back. And then they give it that long run to, to Chad Henney. Is, is Baker, can they safely say that Baker's the answer? Is it time to sign Baker to a contract extension? Do you slow play it? How do you handle it if you're the Browns? Yeah, I think it's tough. I mean, you got Stefanski there, you know, in his first year with him. He's got to feel good about what he's done with him. And ultimately he's going to have to weigh in heavily on that decision. You know, it's so tough to answer because you look at the cautionary tale of a number one overall pick in Jared Goff and you see how that's playing out in LA after they sign him to an extension. And then number two overall, Carson Wentz. You see how that's playing out in Philly. So that's the hard thing is you'd like to say it's cheaper to sign him now to that extension in comparison with what those numbers are going to be in the future. But the reality is if over the next couple of years, you know, you sign him to that extension and he reverts back to what we saw last year, now you're kicking yourself. So I, I, I know going the whole, I mean, they have to pick up a fifth year option that will be fully guaranteed and they should. That, that's easy. But I, I think teams should be more open to think about using multiple franchise tags, right, with a first-round pick. Because even though they can talk about the player being unhappy about it, the reality is, what's his recourse? I mean, seriously. Like, what is a quarterback going to do if if you get through his fifth-year option they put the tag on you? What, are you not going to play and sit out? You can't do that. Like, where's the value for you signing in the free, you know, being a free agent market? And, and so I, I kind of look at it that way and think, like, as as upset as you might be, you also are probably thinking, well, I still need to prove it to them and prove it to everyone else if I want that long-term deal. So it's not like you can't show up and not play and go try to ball out. Uh, I just think more people should entertain that option. And I know it's, you know, again, it's expensive on a year-to-year deal and it, it makes the quarterback frustrated, upset. But I mean, look, the bottom line is there's no reason to put yourself in that position, uh, sign him this monster contract, then it'd be a year or two years later going, he'd still be on his rookie deal right now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that's what, that's what you're saying with Jared Goff. He'd be on his fifth-year option right now. I think more and more players should be open to it. Now, like, in, in, in the sense that, let's say you're Baker Mayfield and the Browns are – or you're Dak Prescott. And, and obviously, it didn't work out because Dak hurt himself during on the franchise tag. But, I mean, he's – they're not – he's not like he's, like, done for life. 
med- science has come too far. And like all this, you know, it's, it's rare where you see a quarterback, especially in the NFL in 2021, sustain an injury that's so debilitating that there's just no way you're getting back out there. I mean, I even think about, you know, you with your list, Frank injury, like the, the way that they would treat that now, even versus when you played is entirely different, right? Like there, there's so the, the advancement is so big that you're, if you're, if you should just bet on yourself, play the franchise tag, then you go pick where you play and you get a huge contract. And maybe it's the right. same place you just played, but you're not going to have these contentious negotiations. To your point on golf, I don't know why these teams are jumping at the bit to sign these guys. Now with Dak, you could make the, the case that they, the Cowboys should have signed him early to lock him in. Um, well, with golf, I mean, he went to a Super Bowl. He did play at a really high level that year, you know, and then he signed it the following year. So, you could see where it comes from. And the reality is it'll be cheaper and you have more, you've already planned your salary cap. You know, let's say Baker gets signed this year. Well, they've already incorporated the fifth year option he'd be on in the fourth year. So it, it makes it more economical for them in that sense for salary cap planning and everything else. So I mean, ideally you'd like to know after three years, but you know, it's a new head coach. So I don't know how they're, how they're going to view it. I think he's the franchise guy. I think they'll get a long-term deal done. Um, but that's probably the biggest question this offseason for them. I, I think that and just, you know, what next steps they can take. I mean, it, by the way, if Odell Beckham's part of that group, I just keep thinking, like, would they have been more aggressive with that final drive? You know, would they have ran the ball a couple times? It just it seemed like they didn't have as much of a sense of urgency. They needed, like, a, a big-time difference maker there. Like, that's that moment where you wish you had someone like OBJ yeah. to be able to separate and make a big play for you. Yeah, certainly, uh, getting some weapons for Baker could, uh, could be on the list of things to do. Certainly should be on the list of things to do for the Ravens, right? Get Lamar Jackson some playmakers. Nice, nice. Marquise Brown had a really good stretch run, but not yeah. an overall great season. No, I, I think they need to look at what they did for Josh Allen and Buffalo and say, we need to find him a true number one and then, and then see what happens. But he's a guy who, again, considering where he was drafted, we're, we're trying to make decisions about all these first round quarterbacks from their draft year. He's the one that I would have a hard time extending, even though he's a former MVP and all that. There's just so much injury risk with the way he runs the football. And so that's one that you might want to slow play and see how it plays out. But he also needs to take a huge step playing from the pocket. I mean, stats are one thing. You can go back to his MVP season. I mean, when you really, when you really look at the throws from the pocket when they're trailing, when they need him to most, he just has a hard time anticipating a hard time putting balls in spots. So he needs help. And I do think a number one wide receiver would help. But at the same time, he also needs to continue to grow and, and take that next step as a pocket passer if they're ever going to be able to get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. Yeah, agreed completely. And the only way you can find out, give him, give him some weapons, let him, let him give it a shot. But I, yeah, the Ravens coming back and uh, forcing Lamar, when it's all on Lamar's arm, it is a problem for them to try to win football games. Uh, you mentioned golf and the Rams. There's some contention stuff right now. Steve Weish of NFL Network, the, uh, a long-time uh, NFL uh, reporter, very trustworthy source, pointed out that there's it's the Goff and uh, Sean McVay need quote marriage counseling. What uh, what would you send him, Doctor Quinn? It, it's tough, you know. I I don't know. I don't know what uh what those conversations were like this year when he struggled some, but you know the reality is he had surgery on his throwing you know hand, his thumb. And to be able to come back and play, and then they don't start him in Seattle, and he comes back, and he didn't play great, but he's playing with a surgically repaired thumb. Like, what were you expecting? And then he helps, you know, get them a victory, and then they go into Green Bay, and I didn't think he played that bad. I thought he was pretty efficient for a guy that three weeks ago had surgery on his thumb. Like, 
I'm not sure what the expectations were, but last time I checked, like it's, you know, it's, it's a problem. It's an issue. So, uh, I'm kind of, I'm just, I'm just surprised how it could get to this point so fast. Uh, especially considering like what he was dealing with towards the end, but I, I get it. He's been up and down that when you go back to the origin of, you know, when McVay took the job and the offense they installed and all that, it was to really buy time for Goff to grow as a player out of that kind of catch and release more of a rhythm offense. Like now he's got to display the ability to do a lot of different things consistently well. And I think this is a year where he struggled. I mean, he has regressed since that 2018 season every year. Um, and so I'm sure they're, you know, they're, they're frustrated with the situation. So what do you do? Go draft a guy then. Sean, Sean inherited Jared Goff. He didn't, you know, he hasn't really drafted someone truly to compete with them. So go find ones, find a draft pick to come in and compete with them and see where it goes from there. Yeah. And I think if you're going to look, nothing wrong. I guess the Rams finally have a first round draft pick. So maybe you could use it uh, this, maybe this year you could use your first round pick on a quarterback. If there's somebody that you like, um, Goff, really you can't get out of that deal until after 2022. Yeah. Like, Goff is going to be involved on the, in this roster. You know, you could, yeah. You make the case, by the way, that, you know, that's a team that could use a, a number one wide receiver. Like it's no disrespect to Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. They're both really good. Uh, you can maybe make the case to both really good number twos, but I don't know that they have that one dominant guy that he can rely on. Uh, yeah, is that fair I, to say? It, like the way that that offense works, maybe Cup and Woods kind of combined to be a, no, just the way that neither the, of them had a thousand yards this season. What's that? Neither had a thousand yards this season. Sure. I just don't know that if you stuffed an alpha receiver in that offense, that it's, it flows the same way. I'm not saying it would be bad. I mean, like you always want to. You always want him. You would always want better receivers. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, uh, that kind of sounds stupid. I guess it does. Yeah, all right. Well, um, we can revisit that later. What about the Saints? Who's starting I mean, the Saints? If it's if it's Taysom Hill, I think they're going to have a, a tough time next year. I really do. I I just I was shocked when they went to him when Breeze went down. I thought it should have been Jameis Winston. I still think it's probably a good spot for Jameis Winston. The biggest question I have is like, what happens to Michael Thomas? I mean, supposedly now he's going to have surgery, which, you know, maybe that was the reason for this year. But man, I know he struggled with staying healthy, but he just had a huge drop off from what he was a year ago. Drop off. And that's, and that's like, that to me is going to be the biggest question, I think, next to who the quarterback's going to be. Cause we're all assuming Drew Brees is going to retire. Right. Um, I think it's Jameis personally. I he, give, he gives them a better chance I'm, as a, as throwing from the pocket, we saw Taysom Hill this year. Like, Jameis gives you a better chance, and I do think he can work out the interceptions and, and fix those. But go with Jameis and use Taysom Hill in the Taysom Hill role. Yeah. I mean, Jameis, that, Jameis is a good – I'm not done with Jameis. I think Jameis has something left in the tank. All right, that's it for the Brady Quinn Football Show. And good talking to you. Next time we talk, there'll be, we'll be uh, two weeks away from the Super Bowl. I know. Two teams Crazy. left. And uh you'll be there with Pete Prisco. Yeah, I will be. Probably I'll, I'm going to ask to quarantine from Pete, though, if I can. Two so. weeks away from Pete would be nice. Right. The opposite of what I'm about to do for the Super Bowl is I have to be with him for a week. I heard you guys have to share a hotel room. Is that true? That's not true. I would quit if that was the case. So it's just Pete, Pete, but you're not going to be in the press box. You're not, are you going to the game or not in the press box? Uh No, we'll be working at some. They honestly haven't finalized the plan. Uh, I believe due to limited capacity in the press box, it's just the senior uh, CBS employees. So 
Pete Prisco as our resident elder. And then we've got, I believe, Jamie Eisenberg, who is close behind. He looks almost older than Pete at this point. Guys, Jamie's a haggard old man at this point. Uh, all right, cool. Good stuff. Uh, I thought you'd say it, buddy. Sounds good. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!